The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I am your host, Galen McDowell. I am the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the senior minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the founder. If you would like to know more about Christ Universal Temple, you can stop by our website, uh, www.cutemple.org. Get information that you need. to. Uh, and if you're in the Chicagoland area, we would love to have you stop by, 11901 South Ashland Avenue. Uh, we would love if you're in the Chicagoland area to stop by and worship with us, take a class with us or whatever we need to, um, do what we need to do. So anyway, um, I was, uh, I'm in the midst of teaching a series titled the law and the promise by Neville. And today I'm actually going to teach two chapters, not one. And I want to make sure that we do get an opportunity to, um, as much as we possibly can cover this information, but I do want to say that Neville is uh, repetitive. Therefore, he's saying many of the same things over again, but the purpose of this book is to make sure that you get it. So he keeps teaching the same lesson over and over again, and I think that's important for, for us to understand and know. He's going to continually teach the same thing over and over again because he wants to drill home the point of what we need to do and why we need to do it. So anyway, 
getting to the before we actually get to the book, I have a couple of quotes I want to read from a few other books. I've been trying to bring as much supplemental information as I can into these talks just to make sure that we get it from different angles. So this book, I don't think this book is in print. I know it was out of print for a long time, and then it was brought back into print by his wife, and I think it's out of print again now. It's called A New Way of Thinking by Charles Roth. A New Way of Thinking by Charles Roth. And in my version of the book, at least, he says on page six and seven, but the more we understand and experience the power of thought, the principles that thoughts, attitudes, and beliefs are. Let me re- let me start over again. But the more we understand and experience the power of thought, the principle that thoughts, attitudes, and beliefs are causes, and that outer things are but the effects or results of what started right within our mind, then we will come to know that a change for the better in our thoughts about a problem is a change in the problem. It is a change right where all change must originate in our thoughts. So he's basically saying is we need to understand, we need to uh, work with the principle that thoughts, attitudes, and beliefs are causes. And the outer things or the, or our experiences are effects or results of the mind. Everything begins in the mind. So, so he's basically saying if you're dealing with a problem right now, the first place you start is where the problem originated, which is in consciousness. You start with the mind. All right. Then he goes on to say. Some people do not realize this truth. They believe that this is a material world. They believe that things just happen and that all we can do is try to get out of the way of the bad things that happen and get in the way of the good things that can happen. Living under this belief, we have built up a long list of superstitions that are supposed to help us keep bad luck away or attract good luck to us. We may hang on to some onto a rabbit's foot, a lucky charm of of some other sort, or we may knock on wood. Sometimes these good luck charms do work, but if and when they do work, it is only because this is a mental world. The laws of the mental world say that anything you mentally believe and anything that you totally accept will become real and take form in your physical world that's a lot right there the laws of the mental world say that anything you mentally believe anything that you totally accept will become real and take form in your physical world so what he's saying is don't be fooled only by your five senses the physical realm the physical or the material world is one level of living but this is a fact not cause. So he quotes Jesus in Matthew eight thirteen when Jesus stated, be it done for you as you believed. I have believed be it done for you as you have believed. And before I finish reading from this book, just one more quote. He says, we can say it another way. 
whatever enters your life is but a manifestation in the outer of some belief in your mind. Mm, mm. So that's that. I have one other quote I want to read before I get into Neville's book. This is from the complete idiot's guide to the law of attraction. Uh, in my version, at least, because I'm sure it's probably more than one version of this book. Uh, this is on page 46. It's titled Decide It, Believe It, Expect It. Decide It, Believe It, Expect It. So he says, or she wrote Diane Alquist, before you can expect the law of attraction to work for you, you have to make a firm decision to believe that it will work. In other words, you have to make an emotional investment in your requests. That there, there's that old saying, nothing ventured, nothing gained, that pretty well sums up the law of attraction, as, at least as far as your emotions go. Once you ask anything of the universe, you have to believe it or feel it will happen, and you have to really want it. If you don't true, if you don't truly, from every fiber of your being, believe, then you are delaying things at best, and possibly even even totally negating them. It's scary to invest your hopes and dreams into something you want so badly, but I'm sure that without that level of commitment, your circumstances won't change, at least not for the better. All right. So, getting to Neville, because I'm teaching two chapters today. And the first chapter, I'm really only taking one quote out of because it's a it's a short chapter of only a few pages, and it's mainly two stories. And as I've stated before during this series, I'm not reading the stories because I want you to get the book. I want you to read the stories. I want you to interpret the stories. I need you to I not need you. I want you to work with the stories and. Because I want you to work with them, get the book and do what you need to do. I think it's important for you not to just rely on the podcast. This is a helper. The book is a helper. We're aids to help you on the journey. But you have to get with the podcast. Then you have to get with the book. And then you have to do your own prayer work and allow the inner teacher, the spirit of God within you, the Christ within you, the I am within you your spiritual identity, to do the teaching. All right. He wrote on page 103 of my version of the book a very powerful uh, statement. I mean, this really jumped off the page to me. He wrote, All imaginative men and women are forever casting forth enchantments, and all passive men and women who have no powerful imaginative lives are continually passing under the spell of their power. That is awesome, awesome, awesome. It might not seem like us a lot, but that literally jumped off the page to me. I'm going to read it again. All imaginative men and women are forever casting forth enchantments, and all passive men and women who have no power Powerful, imaginative lives are continually passing under the spell of their power. So let's let's drill down um, on it. First of all, casting forth enchantments. 
What does he mean by that? They're putting their intention out based upon what they see in their mind and what they feel in their hearts. In other words, they're sending out to the universe the power of their own intention through their imagination, through their faith, through their will, through using the usage of their faculties. They're working the law at a deep level because they can see what it is that they want. They believe that they can have what they want and they feel that it is true. Therefore, it's almost like an enchantment. You know, when I when I normally read the word enchantment or read the word spell, I'm thinking of, you know, like, you know, movies with magic, Merlin and things of that nature. But it's, it's, it's similar. It's similar from the standpoint of understanding that. As the Apostle Paul wrote, calling forth those things that be not as though they were. When you start to work with your spiritual and mental faculties, you are literally creating intention. That people who are not in control of their minds will live under and are influenced by unconsciously. And, and you know, you don't you don't have to, uh, you know, make this mystical. Look at marketing. Look at how. There are people with imaginations that decide how they want things to go and they in, they integrate into politics, they integrate into finances, they integrate into showbiz, uh, they integrate into technology, and their intention is driving the behavior of millions, sometimes billions of people. Steve Jobs was a man of imagination. He wanted a computer and a phone, but he originally sold the iPod, his original uh, device, once he came back to Apple after his first run, with the promise that he you could have 1,000 songs in the palm of your hand. No more walking around with CD, mobile CD players or cassette players. You can just have it in the palm of your hand. And then he wanted to be able to have the music. The phone, texting, emailing, internet access, and all of that, all of the bells and whistles with the different apps on a phone and make it small and usable. And because of the iPhone, the most basic smartphone today is better than the original iPhone. Why? Because when that imagination, when people realize what you could do with the technology, it took people to a different place. And it, and you have to realize, he, he says, all imaginative men and women are forever casting forth enchantments. That does not mean positive enchantments, or in other words, intention. There are people out here who who who, who stir up the pot in other ways. And if we're not aware of it, we can be working from somebody else's intention. Then he says again, and all passive men and women, in other words, you don't know what you want. You don't believe that you can have what you want. You don't believe in the possibilities of life. 
when you you or they function, because it's obviously not you because you're listening to this show, for those who believe that it's not possible, for those who believe that this is a material world and there's no such thing as universal law, faith, imagination, or any level of spiritual power, those folks live under the, as he would say, the spell of their power. That's a very powerful term. The spell of their power. Knowing what you want and being very clear that you, you can have it and why makes a difference. Now, anytime I say this, these things, I, I always try to throw in what I call the Bruce Almighty clause. The Bruce Almighty clause for me is when people try to use this to manipulate other people and without realizing or or recognizing free will. For instance, um, you know, you shouldn't be using the your imagination to try to get somebody else's wife, for instance, or husband or whatever. Why? Because you might admire their attributes. You want qualities and attributes like that person. But, you know, you know, there are people who do these type of things. They live with a person in their imagination. And and I'm not saying that I'm not putting limits on the power of imagination. I am putting uh, the, the the understanding that there is a such thing as free will. So just because you imagine that Beyonce is your wife doesn't mean she's your wife. That's Jay-Z's wife. He has her by right of consciousness. You get yours by right of consciousness. That's the way it works. Um, looking at the clock, it's almost time for our first break. So, um, let me go over a, a few quick things. One, if you want to call into the show, you can call in at 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. Uh, if this show has a Facebook page, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell, if you're on Facebook, please like the page. Please give it a five-star review. I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, this show is on iTunes and Stitcher. Stitcher is an Android app for you to listen to podcasts. Obviously, iTunes would be just the music app, I believe, now on your on your iPhone. It doesn't say iTunes. It just says music. But if you put my name in, Galen McDowell, it'll pop up in either app. Uh, please give it a five-star rating. It helps the algorithms. Uh, please also be reminded that this show, along with all the other shows on Unity Online Radio, are supported by your donations. So as you freely receive, please freely give. Um, I believe that you know that your that your uh, your tithe, your offerings, your gifts should go to where you're fed. That's my belief. That's how I was taught by Reverend Coleman. So uh, we're going to take our first break, and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now.
Now available, you pray the free prayer app from Silent Unity. For more than a century, people from all over the world and all walks of life have turned to Silent Unity. With you pray, our confidential prayer support is easy and convenient to access. With you pray, you can send your prayer directly to Silent Unity. You pray also includes affirmations you can share with family and friends, plus audio meditations for your prayer time. For more about the free YouPray app and links to download, visit silentunity.org/app. That's silentunity.org/app. It is the birthright of each and every one of us to live an awakened life. Most religions and spiritual traditions teach us that we need to adopt a certain belief system or follow some prescribed steps to attain a state of enlightenment. A long-held belief about awakening is that only a small number of people destined to become gurus or spiritual teachers can attain it. It is certainly true that until recent times only a small number of people on the planet had attained this state of full self-realization. These saints, mystics, and spiritual masters were seen as special. They certainly were at the time. However, times are changing. This message was brought to you by TJ Woodward, host of Awakened Living Radio. Learn more from TJ on his weekly podcasts. Episodes are available on unityonlineradio.org, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Every moment we live can be holy, and all we need to do to experience that state is to make the decision to do so. Everything we do can be a prayer, and by using our innate creativity with intention, in every aspect of our lives, that can indeed be true. Author Carla Kincannon wrote, Creativity is so much more than art making. It is a tool for navigating through everyday experiences to find the sacred in each God-given moment. Discover Creative Spirit, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time, and experience the joy of connecting to spirit through creative expression. for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. All right, welcome back to Truth Transforms. Again, if you want to call in, you can call in at 888-558-6489. All right. So, uh, Neville goes on to say on page 103, there is no form in nature which is not produced by and sustained by some imaginal activity. Therefore, any change in the imaginal activity must result in a corresponding change in form. So yet again, he's saying, as within, so without. As within, so without. Going right to and going right to it and doing what we got to do. So let's just be mindful of that. That is as within, so without. What's going on in our minds? 
everything that's being done is being sustained by belief. Even what we call the financial sector of the United States and the world is basically sustained by belief. The stock market is belief. People have faith in certain stocks and bonds, etc. They invest. When they don't have faith, they pull. And for whatever reason, when people are uh, are uh, invested in believing that they can make money out of something or they believe that this product can work, you know, the stock rises. When the consciousness shifts, for whatever reason, it goes down. When people have faith and, and confidence in what a, a government is doing, or whether it's the federal government, state, county, city, town, those things matter. Why? Because confidence breeds uh, speed. Trust breeds speed. Uh, as Stephen Covey's son uh, wrote a, uh, a book titled The Speed of Trust. And one of the things that he wrote in that book was one of the ways you can tell if trust is in an environment is that it works quickly because you pause when you don't have trust. You're, you're double checking things when you don't have trust. And you have to recognize that anytime you are pausing it is because you're not sure about what's happening. But when you trust the thing, you walk, you walk, walk right on it. You do what you need to do. You handle the business when you trust, when you don't trust, it's a totally different conversation. If you've ever walked across something that you weren't sure of the footing and you walk gingerly versus just confidently because you know that it's secure, that the foundation is strong, where it's the same way in the mind. All right. Now, I'm going on to the next chapter because those are only two points I really want to cover in that chapter. So now I'm on chapter 11, the powder. And I'm going to page 106. And again, Neville's concept of imagination isn't limited to our human definition. For him, imagination would be the the spirit of God working in the individual. So he uses the word imagination just to cover a lot of stuff, consciousness, uh, universal law, the spiritual identity, the I am, etc. He uses imagination to cover all of it. So you have to recognize his language, his use of language, and not get caught up in his language, and, and but mainly get caught up or understand or realize why he's using the language that he's using. And if you choose to use different language, you choose to use different language. Like I use different language. I would say Christ within or God within or spirit or, you know, divine mind, or et cetera. He uses imagination. So. He wrote, uh, the word translated potter means imagination from the scripture. He, he quotes Isaiah 64, 8. O Lord, thou art, thou art our father. We are the clay and thou art, thou art our potter. We are the work of thy hand. And then he goes on to say this creation, this conception of creation as a work of imagination. And the Lord, our father, as our imagination will take us further into the mystery of creation than any other guide. So he's basically saying that your imagination is forming your life. So the imagination is the potter and the world, our life, world and affairs are the clay. 
So as we sh- as the powder shapes the clay, as the father or the potter shapes the clay in consciousness, in imagination, we are forming and shaping the experience of our lives, the clay, or, or as many new thought people will say, the substance of God. Then he goes on to say on page 106, the only reason people do not believe in this identity of God and and human imagination is that they are unwilling to assume the responsibility for their frightful misuse of imagination. Divine imagination has descended to the level of human imagination that human imagination may ascend to divine imagination. So several things in that paragraph. The first one. Reverend Ike had a quote he would say many times men stagger at their own divinity not males he would say men meaning people men stagger in other words they're intimidated by the thought that the power of God is within them can I really be that powerful then why isn't my life working the way I want it how come I don't have the life that I desire. How come my, you know, my goals, you know, my dreams, et cetera, aren't being fulfilled? How come I'm unhappy, et cetera, et cetera? And the real answer, even though it will be unpopular, is I am where I am by right of consciousness. I am where I am. I have what I have, and I experience what I experience by right of consciousness. I don't have to like it either. I mean, Lord knows, I I believe and know that I'm talented, yet whatever I have or don't have, whatever I experience and don't experience is by right of consciousness. And that's something that is a hard part of this teaching because people don't want to accept that I have what I have and I experience what I experience by right of consciousness. Now, that doesn't mean that you intentionally thought some dis-ease you intentionally thought to be broke. You intentionally thought to be in a bad relationship. You intentionally thought, oh, I want to get married to get divorced. That doesn't mean uh, you intentionally thought any of those things. But it also means that as you grow or descend in consciousness. Now, notice what I said, grow and grow, meaning ascend or descend. You have to have the corresponding people and experiences to go along with that ride. So as you rise in consciousness, say, for instance, you're with an individual. And if you all aren't growing together or growing as you grow, your understanding of them allows you and that person to be able to come up with agreements that still allow you to be you and and for them to be whoever they need to be, if that can't happen, your growth 
will sometimes create separation. If if growth, communication, and agreement aren't where it needs to be. Sometimes as you descend, it can do the same thing. Sometimes you're in a situation as you grow in consciousness, you don't want to go around the same places and the same people doing the same things. You shift whether you ascend or descend. So, so as you start to develop, one of the things I've noticed spiritually is as you start to develop spiritually and start to do your inner work, spirit will start to draw unto you to be in experiences and around people who will help facilitate that growth at a higher level. You know, you're working on your stuff and next thing you know, you bump into that person who tells you about a a workshop, a seminar, a church, a class, this podcast, for instance. And you'll say, this is what I've been looking for. This is what I've been thinking about, but I, you know, but I didn't have anybody to talk to about people in my space don't understand what I'm studying. People in my space don't understand what I'm doing. It allows. So, so, so as you shift in your mind and your consciousness, or as Neville would say in your imagination, you shift. So he's saying, don't misuse it. You have to recognize the supremacy. Of the mind. The supremacy of the mind. How powerful do you really believe your mind is? Just a question. Now, then he says, divine imagination has descended to the level of of human imagination. That human imagination may ascend to divine imagination. People used to say it this way. I heard it years ago. God became man so man can become God. Man, God became man so man can become God. It's the same thing Neville is saying. The only way that a, that a person, man or woman, can express godhood, in other words, express divinity, express spirituality, is because they're already that very being in essence, in nature, or they couldn't do it in the first place. A donkey, two donkeys cannot produce a human being. Two chickens cannot produce an eagle. And two human beings aren't supposed to produce a Christed, God-aware being. But the reason why divinity shows up in the human being is because we're not just human beings. That's the key. That's the key. We have within us the power of God. Then he quotes the eighth psalm. He says, the eighth psalm says that man was made a little lower than God, not a little lower than the angels. Matter of fact, if you read the New Revised Standard Version that translates this verse properly, you will see that it translates it uh, as God. It says in Psalm 8, 3 and 4, 5, well, I'll just start with verse 3. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them? 
mortals that you care for them. Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of your hand. You have put all things under their feet. I'm going to stop there. Now, when it says in verse five, yet you have made them a little lower than God. Many of the uh, King James and more evangelical translations of the Bible translate this word. God is angels. But in Hebrew, this word in Psalm 8, 5, chapter 8, verse 5, the word is God. And literally, the Hebrew word is Elohim, which means in Hebrew, God or gods, depending on how it's used. It does not mean angels. It means God. You have made them a little lower than God. And what that what the psalmist was basically saying is that your creation has dominion. Your highest creation has dominion over your creation. It says you have given them dominion over the works of your hand. I love that. You've crowned them with glory and honor. You've put all things under their feet. Feet metaphysically symbolize understanding in connection to the material realm. So when it says you've put all things under their feet, that which we can understand as it relates to our experiences in the world, we have dominion over that. All things are under our understanding. This is why Emmett Fox wrote, there is no such thing as undemonstrated understanding. No such thing. Why? Because you have put, or God, or divine mind, or the creator, has put all things under their feet. Now, let's put this back in the Neville context. I'm teaching from a general new thought context. In the Neville context, what he's saying is, God has imagination in you, has put under dominion all things that you can understand. And what that means is, it's not God somewhere outside of you. Is God as you? That's a big difference. God as you. So when he says um, that divine imagination has descended to the level of human imagination, that human imagination may ascend to divine imagination, he's basically saying that that the the, the divine is expressing as what we call a human being so that the divine can experience itself. You are God experiencing itself as you. So with that, we're going to take our second break and we will be right back with Truth Transforms. If you've ever wondered how a specific Bible verse might be interpreted metaphysically, then Interpret This is for you. In Interpret This, Unity Minister Rev. Ed Townley answers your questions about the Bible and how to apply its verses to your life with passion, depth, and spiritual insight. To submit a question or to enjoy any of his numerous metaphysical interpretations, visit unity.org and click on the Interpret This box. 
benefits of spiritually conscious living start now. For a time-tested method to live with purpose and release your infinite potential, tune in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. been listening to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms. All right, back, we're back with Truth Transforms, and I'm on page 107 of my book in the chapter 11 of The Law and the Promise. The chapter is titled The Potter. So Neville goes on to say, Imagination is the real man and is one with God. Imagination creates, conserves, and transforms. Imagination is radically creative when all imaginative activity based on memory disappears. Oh, that's deep, 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 deep. Let's start off with imagination creates. That's one thing. Make some... You know, something that didn't exist previously, it brings it into existence, creates, conserves. In other words, it can maintain that which we already have, transforms. It can change something from one thing to another. So let's let's just be clear what he's saying. But remember, he's using imagination as the power of God. So imagination creates conserves and transforms then he says imagination is radically not just regular creative radically creative when all imaginative activity based on memory disappears what does that mean that means that when you stop thinking based upon your past and you start using your imagination to focus on what's possible and what you want to bring into your experience through intention and feeling So, in other words, we think in pictures, we think in images. Therefore, if if our imaginative activity or, to use a simpler term, thinking is based upon the past, then we are recycling our lives and not creating newness, but we're actually conserving the old life, even if it's a life we don't desire. This is why we have to be intentional with about the images we hold in mind and what it is that we seek to do. This is why I keep drilling over and over again, the power of visualization, even though, you know, there are people like, well, visualization is one level, then you can go other levels up higher. Great. Get that. And I believe that wholeheartedly. However, I don't think anybody ever gets past intention of you. Imagination, as I stated earlier in in one of the episodes on the Law and the Promises, can do primarily two things. It can you can generate images. In other words, you think on a thing and you generate an image on it, or you can take images that you already know and focus on them. That's one aspect. 
that's using that's being more intentional. Then there's the aspect through which spirit gives the vision, the dream, the desire on your imagination. So imagination is almost like the screen of a projector. Spirit is projecting spirit or let me rephrase that God in you is projecting it on your consciousness and you're seeing what's possible. You're seeing the vision, you're seeing the dream, etc. So imagination is almost normally always doing one of those two things. But until you are better at that part of the projector, which Michael Beckwith calls visioning, by the way, that's a term that's used in a lot of the science of mind circles, visioning. And as you learn to work with how to grasp divine ideas, how to catch the vision and the dream through meditative practices and et cetera, does not mean that you can't work the law. You have to be able to get simplistic with this. It's very difficult to, I'm going to say very difficult. It can be challenging to hold your mind on capturing a divine idea when you can't even keep your mind on what you want. You have to teach your mind how to work with what it is that you want. You have to teach your mind how to work with your intention. You have to teach your mind how to focus on the main idea, the main image. So when Neville is saying that you have to dismiss the memory, he's saying because your memory is only recycling what you know and you already believe it. It's in your memory. So you have to free yourself. You have to forgive yourself of what you thought about you and what's possible for you and and free yourself so you can step into a new awareness of what's possible for you. But let me be clear. To really make this most effective, even though it could work completely in the mind, but you got to be at a level, your mind, your mouth and your actions have to be in alignment. Mind, mouth, and actions. Or as I heard a guy say one time, um, the tongue in your mouth can lie, but the tongue in your shoes never lies. What does that mean? Because the tongue in your shoe is telling is, is always going in the direction of where you're going, your actions, where you're walking. So when the tongue in your mouth and the tongue in your shoe shoes align, now you're powerful. Because people talk a good game. But that don't mean that they can back it up. All right. So Neville goes on to say on page 107, imagination is conservative when its imaginal activity is fed with images supplied mainly by memory. So as I stated before, it'll conserve what you already are holding in mind. He goes on to say, imagination is transformative when it varies a theme already in being, when it mentally alters a fact of life, when it leaves the fact out of the remembered experience or puts something in its place if it upsets the harmony it desires. That's a a mouthful right there. It can it 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 could vary a theme already in being or expression. It mentally alters facts of life, and it can literally leave out a fact of life 
and focus on that which it chooses to focus on when what you want is inconsistent with what's showing up or what's remembered. Sometimes we remember too much of our negativity and we don't focus enough on even the successes or what's possible. You can't live in the past going forward and go forward at the same time. Some people are too busy staring at the museum of their lives. And the museum is supposed to just capture everything, the good, bad, or the indifferent, which is based upon meaning, obviously, well, the meaning we give it. But get my point. My point is, if, you, if you're mentally living in the hallways of your museum, where you've been, what you've done, what you've experienced, then you can't live in heaven in the realm of your possibility. You can't live in the kingdom of God and and in the kingdom of your memory about what you did and what you didn't do and whose fault this is and why this is right and why this is wrong. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. That's why Jesus said the kingdom of, of, of God is like a man who had um, wheat in his field and the enemy came in and put tares in it or weeds. Sooner or later, you got to separate the wheat from the tares. Sooner or later, you got to separate the wheat from the tares. When you're grown and old enough and spiritually mature, you got to set aside what doesn't work for you in consciousness. And living based upon your past even if it was great, is not giving God in you the possibility to show up in new, creative, and fresh ways. That's why I love that the fact that the New Thought Movement is titled New Thought, which means we should always be having a new thought about God, a new thought about ourselves, a new thought about life, a new thought about the universe, a new thought about what's possible. New, not old thought. New thought. What's in your mind that's new? What's in your life that's new? Or are you just recycling the same old stuff? Or as Gary Simmons says, the unity writer, you're either the way of God or you're in the way of God. Something to think about. Think about it. On page 110, because I'm getting close to having to stop now, Neville wrote, every recorded story in this book is just such a test as Paul asked the the Corinthians to make. God really and truly exists in man, in every human being. God wholly becomes us. Now, do you really believe, really believe that within you is the, is the Christ or the power of God in action? Neville goes on to say it this way. Page 110. The purpose of life is the creative realization of desire. I love that. 
Now, he's not saying that you don't have other individual purposes and callings, but he's talking about the purpose of life. I don't think not just human life, life. The purpose of life is the creative realization of desire. In other words, you will always have desires seeking to be expressed. That's the game of life. They show up for you to express them. He wrote, man lacking desire could not exist efficiently in a world of continuous problems requiring continuous solutions. A desire is an awareness of something we lack or need to make life more enjoyable. Desires always have some personal gain in view. The greater the anticipated gain, the more intense the desire. So it's the desire that's pushing us. So he says to attain our desire, we should imagine scenes implying their fulfillment and enact the scene in our imagination. If only momentarily with a joy sufficiently felt within its limits to make it natural. He compares it to a child. He says it's like a child dressing up and playing queen. We must imagine we are what we would like to be. We must play it in imagination first. Not as a spectator, as an actor. Mm, That's good stuff right there. So, looking at the clock, it's almost time for us to stop. So, uh, next week, we're going to cover the next two chapters, most likely. Probably Attitudes and All Trivia. Reason being, because... I think we're at the point now where the material is duplicating itself a lot. And I want to make sure that we get through the book and point out the highlighted highlights rather. Excuse me. So with that, God bless you. And I'll be with you next week with True Transforms. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple. Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Guests will range from unity ministers to vegan authors, activists, physicians, chefs, and even some of those glittery celebs. There'll be recipes, ideas, tips for going vegan at your own pace, and ways to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time for Main Street Vegan, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
Each of us has a unique purpose, a special gift to offer the world. Despite the differences in our talents and abilities, there is one gift that we all can share, the gift of peace. Peace isn't something that takes a particular talent. It's an ability we all possess. All we have to do is tap into it. Peace doesn't require a certain set of circumstances either, but rather a state of willingness. When I do whatever is mine to do from that place of peace within, I contribute to the peace of the world. James Dillett Freeman said, I give the gifts that are mine to give, as naturally as a tree gives shade or a bird's song. It is my nature to give. I give peace. Peace can begin with me. To find a Unity Church near you, please visit our website at www.unity.org. You know the saying, a good deed is its own reward? Well, moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward. It will also reward you with vibrant health, boundless energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, and according to Yogi's and Unity's co-founder Charles Fillmore, even give a boost to your spiritual life. On Main Street Vegan, the radio program named for the popular book, Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. With enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What if you were intentional about your life, committed to having more energy and being more vibrant? Join Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, as she guides you on a journey to an intentional and energetic life. Empower your life and fully express the wondrous energy, love, and joy you hold in your wildest imagining. Joyfully and actively know that more important than what happens after you die is the deeper and enriching concern for what happens while you're living. How can you experience an incredible life right now? Learn how each week on The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central Time, right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together. 